Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Friday, January 20th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. If you want to guarantee a roster move in sports, become a guest on our podcast and speculate about it. That's what Royals beat writer Lynn Worthy and I did when we taped today's show on Thursday. That's when rumors about the Royals acquiring Araldus Chapman were circulating. We finished taping, and a few hours later, the news became official. Chapman, the left-handed reliever who once was the hardest thrower in baseball, had become a Royal. So at least you get to hear how Lynn and I broke it down. We have plenty more Royals to talk about today, and we end the show by bidding farewell to Lynn. This will be his last appearance on the show as a Kansas City Star beat writer. We talk about the next step on his path. Okay, let's get started. All right, Lynn. Um, it seems like a quiet offseason for the Royals. Uh, is it as quiet? Even, even a team that has changed managers and general managers, of course, that happened late last season with J.J. Piccolo, but it just seems like a you know, quiet hot stove league for the Royals this winter. Is that, am, am I right on that? Um, or what am I missing? Well, if you're talking about, you know, the big, um, big ticket, you know, free agent transaction or a trade, then yeah, it's, it's all quiet on the, uh, on the Western front. But um, if, you know, but there has been, like you mentioned, there's been a lot of, you know, changes sort of, I guess, you know, I don't want to say minor because when you talk about a manager, probably about half the coaching staff, some of the player development folks, um, and then also bringing in some free agents like a Brian, a Ryan Yarbrough, um, Jordan Lyles, um, and we'll see about some of these minor league free agents that they added. Um, so, I mean, there, there have been some changes and you don't know how much contributions those guys will make. I mean, I mean we know Jordan Lyles, they're looking at to be a main piece of that rotation. But I mean, so I don't want to call them minor, but there, so there have been things, but if you're, you know, some of the names that moved this off season in major league baseball, Carlos Correa, you know, to three different teams at one point, <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. you know, Verlander, those types of things. Yeah. You're not, that, that was not part of the Royals off season. I don't think uh, it was really expected to be either. Right. We'll get to, we'll get to Jordan Lyles, especially here in a minute. I, I do think that that's interesting. Um, but the Royals have some, um, you know, the, the contract news, if you will, uh, they, they have avoided arbitration with uh, several players and are still um, and did not settle with uh, maybe their uh, most important piece. And that's starting pitcher Brady Singer, who I think will end up being the opening day starter uh, th- this year. Let's um, uh, they've 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 come to terms with. Scott Barlow, Chris Bubich, Taylor Clark, Amir Garrett, Brad Keller, Nikki Lopez, Josh Stamont. I needed to look at my cheat sheet to get all those names, but not yet with Brady Singer. And yeah. and, this, uh, and also I had about their mom. Oh, that's right. How we forget? Early, yeah, early um, during the winter meetings, actually. Um, so that's another one that was, um, was our eligible, but they took care of. Okay. I want to talk about Mondesi as well, but let's start with Brady Singer. We're, uh, where does it stand with him, and what is your prediction for Brady Singer's uh, arbitration case? So at this point, they um, they they went to that deadline where you had to exchange numbers if you didn't come to a um, an agreement, didn't have an agreement, exchange numbers. 
um, I believe reportedly, and this is from MLB.com's uh, Mark Feinstein, trying to find what those numbers were. Um, they were a little bit apart on what he and his agent were asking for and what um, supposedly the, the Royals had um, put on the table. Um, so according to Mark Feinstein, it was Singer filed for 3.325 million and the Royals filed at 2.95 million. So, you know, it's, um, it's a less than a million apart, but um, obviously still a good chunk of money. Um, and also when it comes to these things, you, you, you want to sort of set the table because he's got multiple years of arbitration ahead of him. So you want to get yourself locked in at a number because it's going to go up after that. So um, that's where, I mean, I think last year you saw with Nicky Lopez where I don't think they were really that far apart, but I think going to a hearing also you want to sort of set your your floor for that first year and then you know it's going to go up from after that um so yeah so it's either going to be a hearing probably during spring training last year was a little wonky because of the lockout and so you had those hearings during the season you had a guy like Andrew Benintendi having a hearing and then going out playing in a game same thing with Nicky Lopez um this year would be more the traditional probably happened during spring training or which I think is probably likely is they may uh, may settle before that or maybe the Royals um, are able to work out something with Singer's uh, agent and and maybe get multiple years knocked off so that they don't have to keep going back to arbitration in the next couple of years. I think they did that with Hosmer one of those years where they went all the way down to almost a hearing and then signed a either two or three year deal so to take out the rest of the next couple of years of arbitration. Brady Singer, 10 and 5 last year, 311 ERA as a starter. That's when he was in the rotation. 323 overall ERA, counting his his bullpen appearances. Don't you think he's the opening day starter? I would think so. I would think so. I mean, um, the only thing that, you know, maybe opens the doors if there's, you know, you go with the experience thing and you say, you know, a guy like Jordan Lyles has more experience, not with the Royals. Um, or if, you know, at this point, there's not necessarily a strong sense that um, whether or not Zach Greinke would be back, but if he came back, then you could make the case that he's the opening day star just because of track record and everything else. And obviously he started the opener last season, but um, as we sit here right now, I would say, yeah, I'd probably um, I'd bet, you know, as I always like to say, not my money, your money, I'd bet on Brady Singer. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, I imagine nobody would bet on a hundred and, 55 game season from Alberto Mondesi, but um, but everybody, you always have your fingers crossed. And as you mentioned, he has, um, you know, they, they, I think he signed uh, uh, for uh, got a little bit of a raise, right up to 3.4 million this year, and uh, they, they avoid arbitration with him. It's the final year of club control for Mondesi. One of the the most interesting and mysterious players um, that the Royals have ever had played in 15 games last year because of a knee injury. And what was, it wasn't many more the year before uh, for various inju injuries. Um, I, re I read in your story, he has played 358 games in his, uh, since 2016. Hell, Whit Merrifield played in how many consecutive games in much less time than that. So I guess, you know, Royals followers can only have their fingers crossed when it comes to Mondesi and, you know, his availability. And what what is your projection for him 
starting with where would he play uh, with the Royals this year? I think he could be one of those sort of move around the diamond type pieces. I think that's at least that seems like the thing to make the most sense unless, you know, um, cause they really seem to want to, at least the sense this going into this offseason and so far I haven't heard anything different was they want to be able to put Bobby Witt Jr. at shortstop, let him settle in there, let him work there. And, you know, because obviously there were some, um, I don't want to say deficiencies, but I guess, yeah, I mean, deficiencies in terms of just defensively, you know, there was um, a few errors some mistakes there. Um, his first season in the big leagues, obviously, I mean, he's not the first guy who's had a whole lot of errors or, you know, had to make some strides after his first season. So it's not as though that's a, a big knock. It's just, you know, the facts are the facts. Um, but I think they, they, the hope is that by putting him there, letting him know he's going to be there, he's going to stay there, let him settle in at that spot. You'll see some of that improvement, have some people, you know, infield coach to help him um, work his way through that and not be moving around put him at shortstop and say, that's where you're going to be for the next few years. That's the idea. Um, so that takes modesty out of that picture. Um, third base still seems to be sort of a question mark, whether or not um, he could be in the outfield as, you know, uh, I don't think on a full-time basis, but, you know, somebody you could put out there, um, if, whether or not you want to use him as a DH, um, sort of a super utility, move around, obviously, assuming that he comes back as healthy as he could be from the knee injury. Um, one of the faster players in major league baseball, he's one, you know, he's led the league in stolen bases. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. And he's, I mean, that's the thing is when he's, when he's right, he's about as right as it can get. And, but you just don't see it that often. Um, and so I think they've finally got to the point where they're not counting on that. But I think, I don't think they've necessarily given up on it completely as far as being able to use it. Um, I think the term they've used is a weapon. So, you know, it comes down to how they see that they can deploy that weapon throughout the season, assuming that he's still here. I mean, there was a report a couple of weeks ago, within the last couple of weeks, that, you know, there had been some teams sort of sniffing around. I think the Red Sox, especially after Trevor Story's uh, injury, that he's going to miss some time. And obviously they lost Sander Bogart. So, We'll see if there's um, potential that he gets to move, but if not, then it could be more of a super utility. Okay. Um, like I said, everybody's got their fingers crossed when it comes to, to Mondesi. You know, we have not talked since uh, the Royals signed Jordan Lyles. A pretty interesting guy. Um, workhorse, you know, innings eater. Not dazzling, but effective. And kind of kind of what the doctor ordered for this rotation uh it seems to me 179 innings this past season with a 442 era with baltimore 180 innings with the rangers the year before that um 12 year career uh, and it seems like the royals got him at a decent price as well yeah it was pretty similar um as i recall to the deal that they signed uh, mike Miner to a couple years ago uh, i think Miner got 17 million Lyles is more like 18. Um, Lyles is, I believe, more of a true split in terms of how that money gets divided. Um, Miners at the time, I believe, was more backloaded just because of the way they were financially. I think it was more like 710. Um, but um, but similar in terms of the overall value and two-year deal. Um, and again, and similar in that, you know, he's an experienced guy that they're looking to be able to count on. I mean, with 
the young guys with the guys that you see as having potential but haven't had full seasons that, you know, you're still not fully sure as far as durability and how that projects over a full season. You need somebody that you can count on, that you can plug in and say, we're going to have this and we know we're going to get this level of production and also just durability out of because um, there's other variables, you know, as much as you want to say Brady Singer, okay, we know what we're going to get from him. You still haven't seen it over an extended period of time. I mean, even last year he started off in the bullpen. So in the, the year before coming out of the pandemic season, I think he had a little stretch in the summer where he went on the IL where they were sort of had like shoulder fatigue. So to say that, you know, what you're going to get from him over a full season, you hope you know what you're going to get you don't know what you're going to get. Um, so there's just a lot of variables. So to have somebody to plug in there that you know what you're going to get, I think is important. A guy that um, is a veteran. And then also, um, you know, a guy that at least you, when I say know what you're going to get, you know, you, you also know at least reasonably what sort of performance you're going to get. Like you said, it's not going to be necessarily dazzling spectacular, but you know it's going to be steady. You know he's going to throw strikes. You know what you're going to get in that sense. And again, you got too much variation or a lot of variation, I should say, with some of these other guys. Right. Um, hey, are you buying any of the uh, Araldus Chapman rumors? I mean, I, I buy into, you know, taking a look at it. I'm just not sure. I'm not sure what you get out of him. I mean, in terms of, you know, just there's there's off the field stuff. We'll put that aside for a second. But the on the field has not been, you know, what it was five years ago, these right. last couple of years. The guy who's been demoted out of the closers role, a guy who, you know, you've seen the walks go up. Um, he's just not been as productive as he was several years ago. Um, and then, you know, the way things ended with the Yankees for him to, um, you know, there being a question about whether or not he was actually going to be on the playoff roster. And then the report was that, he didn't show up for that last workout because they wouldn't guarantee that he was going to be on the playoff roster. So he stayed down in Miami when the team was working out. I mean, that, that that's, if it's not a red flag, it's a, it's at least raises an eyebrow, raises some questions. And that's on top of, you know, him having had served suspension in the past. I mean, it's, so there's, there's a plenty of reasons to have question marks both off the field and also just in terms of performance. But if you, you know, if it's one of those things where you could take a flyer and it's low risk, big upside, then it might be worth taking a look at. But um, the reports were also that there are several other teams involved. Um, the Marlins, he lives in Miami. Uh, I think the Padres were another reported team. And we know they'll, they'll throw money around if they need to. So, but it's something I think that it's worth at least poking around. Also a possibility of, of you know, signing him and if he, you know, if he has a decent season, you get a chance to flip him um, at the at the trade deadline, and you know get something back if you're not in contention. So I mean, that wouldn't be the plan, but it, it could make some sense. We've seen it before. I mean, just go back to whether it's Trezen, Trevor, uh, Trevor Rosenthal. Rosenthal. We saw yeah. him come off of an injury and look real good, and and you you flip him, um, and also just you know if he is right. Chapman and you get past the other things um it lengthens out your bullpen you could you have somebody who potentially again if he's right can close some games for you so you don't have to lean on Scott Barlow every time there's a close game and then you know to have so, so many you know multiple inning outings and and just be the the you know high leverage every time sort of a guy um 
to be able to take some of that load off of him only makes him better and maybe extends how much you can get out of him. Um, and while you're bringing some of these other guys along who you think might be, you know, big time potential high leverage guys, but again, you haven't seen it. Um, and, but it just gives you a deeper bullpen. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. Hey, I wanted to cover a couple of topics with you. Um, again, since we haven't talked in a while, just uh, just some quick thoughts on uh, the Royals home games. The first three months are going to start at 640, first pitch. So a half hour earlier uh, than than they have in, in the last few years. That's kind of a welcome development for people who work the games, uh, like yourself, uh, for stadium workers. I don't know how fans feel about it. But uh, when you saw the Royals games are going to start at 640, um, what was your reaction? My first thought was, you know, I wondered how much earlier that might translate into getting out on the back end of those games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, because you start a little bit earlier, but then also in theory with some of the new rules this year, that the pace of play should pick up. So then maybe it's, it becomes a thing where people come to the ballpark and you're not necessarily planning on, okay, you're not getting out of here until, you know, 10, 11 o'clock. Um, you know, I mean, that's probably more so if you're you're working and things like that. But even, you know, if you come to a game, you say, okay, you know, you bring your kids. It's like, well, we're not going to be able to see all of this because kids got to get home and all that sort of thing. But now maybe you have more of a chance. You start a little bit earlier, the game moves a little bit faster. I mean, if the game starts at 640 and, you know, you're going to look at three hours or less then you know, you can still get out of there before 10 o'clock. You know, I mean, that's that's not that bad compared to if you start later and you're talking about three plus hours on a, a no matter what, then you're already talking 10, 11 before you're or between 10 and 11 before you're even walking out of the ballpark. Yeah, um, I, I think it's a welcome development. I, I And as you mentioned, the uh, the, the rules that are going to be uh, instituted this year to help pick up the pace of the game. Uh, anything to keep you from getting home at a, you know, at a ridiculous hour, especially on a school or a work night. And of course, this is only, I, I think it's April and May, maybe a little bit into June. I can't remember exactly when they go back to 710, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, welcome development as far as I'm concerned. The other thing is, um, you know, we're talking, uh, we're now talking again about, not again, because it's actually been a while, but baseball expansion. And uh, it seems like it's it's going to happen. There's sentiment for it. And uh, and, and I, I don't know what the timetable is. I'm not sure what you've heard about that. But 
it's 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 open season on speculation of where where baseball is going to drop a couple of teams and just want to know if you if you have any favorites in in that regard well i think nashville just seems like there's so much momentum there in terms of the people involved i mean i think at one point, Dave Dombrowski was involved before he went back to Philadelphia, but I think Dave Stewart is involved. Um, who is it? Uh, Don Mattingly, I think they they brought on board this offseason. Uh, it just seems like there's just too much invested, too many people being brought on board for there to be, you know, just all smoke and no fire on that one. Um, Vegas is interesting because I'm not sure if it's more likely for that to be an expansion place or if that's, you know, a destination for, you know, Oakland to move. Um, And I think at this point, I don't know if, I mean, in my mind, I guess it's 50, 50. I, I I can't say that that's a, you know, how accurate that is of a a, a guess on how that turns out. That's just in my mind, but um, that seems like a really, um, Another one where there's momentum building, especially after, you know, you've got uh, hockey and football in there. And I think maybe with hockey and how things went that first season, I remember being out there um, for something during that first season. I think it was still when I was covering college sports and um, being out there and talking and asking some people just about how that went. And, um, you know, and then the team had success. And I think it, it really like that success built on itself. And then you add in the Raiders. And so I, I think there's momentum for that. And obviously sports betting is now open season. So that that was always one of the things that people sort of assumed or perceived was uh, kept it at arm's length. But that's out the window now. So um, I think those are the two that sort of stick out in my mind is like, um interesting and probably likely at some point um, down the line, but, you know, there's other cities that people throw into that mix, whether it's, you know, Montreal still wanting to get something back and then places, you know, in the U S that have done well with minors and people feel like there's interest, whether that's Charlotte. And um, I know, and it's probably just because of, you know, when I worked there, I know people used to always sort of bring up Salt Lake as a, as potential, but I don't know I've sort of put that further down the list, but I think there's people out there who who see that as one of them too. So there's always, you know, places around the country that um, sort of have their eye on that. You mentioned Montreal. That's my favorite. I, I'd like to see baseball return there. And um, Portland, Oregon, another place that is uh, eager for baseball. And I don't know if baseball feels like it needs another West Coast team. It might, I, I don't know, but uh, that's another one that's uh, that's hat is firmly in in the ring. And you mentioned Salt Lake uh, City. Salt Lake is where you worked before coming to Kansas City, and uh, it was uh, it was a great hire for the Star. Uh, you came to cover the the Kansas City Chiefs, and you spent the 2018 season covering Patrick Mahomes' first year as a starter. What a um, you know what a year to cover the Chiefs. That was a that was an amazing season. That. Um, I, I think they scored on, you know, nine out of 10 possessions that year. They set, um, you know, set scoring record. It was, it was incredible season. That was the team that lost to the Patriots in the, in the AFC title game. Uh, we lost our Royals beat writer, uh, at, right, right after the season. And you jumped on that beat and you've been covering the Royals ever since. So, uh, this is my windup uh, is is um, and delivery is this is the last time that you and I are going to speak as work 
compadres um, for the star because you, uh, as of this week, uh, this is your last week at the Kansas City Star. You are going to St. Louis to cover the Cardinals for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And I think that's tremendous. Um, it's, uh, But we're also going to miss the heck out of you. Tell us a little bit about going to St. Louis and, um, and, and what, uh, you know, you're going from a, you know, you're going from a covering a team that, um, that is struggles to get to 500 and hasn't gotten close to it. And in, um, in about five years to a team that in an organization that expects to be in the postseason every year and more often than not is in the postseason every year um, from that standpoint, it's going to be a fun jump, isn't it? Yeah, it'll be um, it'll be different. I mean, it's um, obviously uh, there's bittersweet to 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 all of it in terms of leaving Kansas City and you know leaving the staff. I mean, um, whether it was the time I had with Chiefs or Royals, um, you know, the people that I worked with and around, I think is going to be the biggest thing um, that you that you miss you know, cause I've moved a few times and it's, you know, sure there's things about the cities that you like, but it's the people that really, you know, um, that you remember the experiences. So folks like yourself, um, uh, don't want to start leaving people out, but I mean, obviously Vahe Gregorian, Sam McDowell, um, Sam Mellinger, who at one point was the other columnist and now is working for the Royals. Um, uh, you know, Pete Gradoff, um, Herbie Teope, uh, you know, um, um, and we've had several college writers, you know, Jesse Newell. Um, it seemed like when I first started, I think we still had um, Andrew Schiff and uh, Aaron Reese were doing uh, Mizzou. Yeah. Mizzou. Um, Kellis doing K-State. Uh, Gary also doing KU. So there's been a lot of people, a lot of good folks, um, you know, obviously, um, when I was doing Royal, when I first started doing Royals, I was reporting to Chris Frickett, who's no longer is at the paper, and obviously Jeff Rosen, our sports editor. So it's a lot of good people. Um, so that's going to be the part that's um, that's tough. But I'm looking forward to to St. Louis. Look, looking forward to you know a new city, a new team, new environment. Um, I'm going to be working with Derek Gould, who's one of, if not the best uh, newspaper beat writers in the business right now covering baseball. And um, so we'll be partnering up on that beat. Um, you know, it's really um, for that market really has sort of the, uh, gets sort of the attention that the Chiefs get here in terms of just the, um, it's the, the top show in town. Um, so that was obviously a big part of it. And then also partnering with somebody to, you know, get to share a little bit more of that workload is <laughs> the baseball <laughs> yeah. beat can be a grind, but um, yeah. it's uh, something I'm looking forward to. But like I say, uh, um, it'll be bittersweet. Um, that, that first I 70 series will be uh, interesting. I don't know how, how exactly I'm going to feel when that, when that comes around, but um, it'll be good to see everybody. That's for sure. I know that, but uh, what sort of internal feelings will be interesting. You know, I always thought that, um, it, it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and I often am. So um, I often thought of St. Louis, even when the Rams were in St. Louis, that it was still one of the, maybe the only, or at least one of the very few cities 
that where a major league baseball team shared uh, the, the town with an NFL team, that the baseball team was still considered the the you know, the biggest thing in town, biggest sports thing. I don't know where else in the country that exists. Where um, certainly not in Kansas City, uh, which but when the Chiefs are good, the Royals are like this. But and, there, and my my, uh, my my gauge for this is. Uh, uh, gear stores, um, stuff where you, where you find the, the jerseys and the caps and the shirts, all the gear for sale when it's baseball season, the NFL team is still more prominent in those gear stores than, you know, than the baseball team, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe in, in New York, maybe a little different, uh, with Yankees, but, um, uh, and, but I don't know. In St. Louis, it is such a great baseball city. I've always been envious of it in Kansas, you know, being in Kansas City, envious of, uh, you know, they're drawing 3 million fans every year. They're always in the playoffs. I thought your comparison to the Chiefs is spot on. They are, uh, the, the the city embraces the Cardinals the way we embrace the Chiefs and the and the Royals when they when they won uh, in 14 and 15. But you're, uh, you are going to a, a market where, Baseball's king. It just it just is. And that's pretty cool. And I, I think you're going to enjoy it. And um, and, and uh, I guess there's no no sign of the Cardinals letting up. They, they expect to contend again this year, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And you've got, you know, two. I mean, you got two players who were, you know, one who won the MVP and Paul Goldschmidt and then another who was in the running and um, Nolan Arenado. And they just added, uh, you know, Wilson Contreras um, in the offseason to to fill in a, that uh, catcher spot that Yadier Molina just retired. And um, the final season of Adam, Adam Wainwright will be uh, interesting, too. I'm sure that will be a running theme throughout the year. So there's there's definitely plenty going on there. Um, it wasn't until probably these last couple of weeks that I started thinking back on, you know, the, the four seasons that I had here and just thinking about um, uh change uh would be probably the <laughs> the overall theme and i start thinking about the first year was the the last year at ned yost um there was uh you know after that season you had an ownership change um you had the manager change um a pandemic in the middle of uh, the time there a pandemic season a season on zoom you had a lockout, you had Alex Gordon's retirement, you had, um, you know, Mike Matheny's entire tenure as the manager. And then, you know, obviously at the tail end here, we saw Dayton Moore, you know, fired as the, the head of the baseball operations department. So it's um, been a lot of, yeah, a lot of stuff packed into those four years, you know. Um, so, uh, and, and even with that, you know, like people talk about the how, St. Louis's position compared to Kansas City. I mean, and I've said this before to people. I was like, I don't know if it's just because of the time that I spent covering minor league baseball, but I I really like watching things develop. Like you know what you see where the Royals are at now. We're starting to see the beginnings of something, and I like seeing that. You know, seeing that and being there for that. I think that's one of the cool things with baseball. You you 
see it and you see it develop. So it's not just like, you know, you hop on the bandwagon after the fact. It's like, no, you saw the first year of Bobby Witt Jr. You saw some of these guys first break in and then see where it goes. And, you know, obviously people's hope would be that, you know, they have success and team has success. But um, just seeing that that starting point and then seeing it all the way through as opposed to just jumping in and and, and seeing where they ended up. Um, so that, that stuff was always interesting to me. So um, it's not so much about a, uh, you know, where a team's at now because, shoot, that can change in a season. We all know that. So, um, but uh, it's definitely going to be a, a even more change. It's been been a, like you said, a eventful four years. There's been a lot going on in those four years. And, um, you know, I think there's, it's going to be interesting to see what's to come. And I'll just be uh, sort of keeping track of it from afar now, I guess. Yep. Not, and not too far. So that's uh, that's neat, too. And of course, the the stadium is also maybe in, in line to change as well. At least a lot of you know, a lot of discussion about that over the next few years. Yeah, I didn't, didn't even mention that one. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, well, that's a great sentiment, Lynn, to end it on. And um, like I said, uh, it's been wonderful working with you uh, and a pleasure. And you will absolutely be missed uh, by your your friends here at the star and uh and those who follow the royals your your coverage in the star and on kansascity.com best of luck in st louis at the post dispatch i know things will go well for you there well thank you um and obviously everybody at the star it's been a great run um it's been great working with all of you guys and um i'll definitely be be rooting from rooting for you from the other side of the state That'll do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks to our staff of George Howard, Monty Davis, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. The most sincere tip of the cap to Lynn Worthy, who's covered the Chiefs and Royals at the Star for five years. Thanks for all the terrific stories and being a frequent guest on this podcast and our Sportsbeat Live shows throughout the season. Lynn was the first Royals beat writer to appear regularly on these weekly shows. Hey, thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.